0: Hey, good people. This is Yuri and i Down back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey. I have two objectives with this reflection. One is to respond to some YouTube content from a YouTuber by the name of Alexis Kingsley. I believe that's her name, Alexis Kingsley. And two is to work through some work confusion. In uh, my last episode, I think, I talked about the yumminess of my new job. We're about to enter into week eight. I'm giving myself 12 weeks before I make a true judgment about the job. And I'm glad because although there is some yumminess... Um, I believe this week, this past week, which was week seven for me, I got a chance to really take a look at some of the shadows of the organization. And I have confronted those shadows, but not having a name for them, I didn't know what to do with it. So I think I have some naming for those shadows. I want to do that because I have to decide what I want to Really kind of what my position is going to be about those shadows. I have to judge it and take some action. And I couldn't do that before because I didn't have a way of naming it, those shadows. And now that I do, and I'm just... I have a desire to do a so what? So what? What does that mean for you? Um, Because the yumminess is still there. The yumminess is definitely still there about the job. I mean, the job is really good. But there are some true shadows. And I could see those shadows as problems or i can see them as opportunities and i'm not really sure what i'm going to do so that's why i'm on here and the reason why i am it's been a minute since i have said i have two starting points it's been a minute where i have two starting points or i have a list and then i mesh them all together into some essential truth for myself um but i haven't done that but the reason why i'm doing it now is because they are related so, this uh, YouTube content from Alexis, which was about ESFJs, by the way. <laughs> and I'm an INTJ, so that's funny. That I would be so inclined to think through my own personal life by um, exploring ESFJs. Kind of funny. But the truth of the matter is, my my two co-directors are ESFJs. And I think that... that Could very well have something to do with the shadows. But I'm not going to blame those as ESFJs for the shadows. But I think that they. There might be some. um, I don't know if the word is alignment. Some. um, There's a word. There just might be some relatedness. Between them being ESFJs and and the shadows. So I am here to talk through both of those, those those starting points. This ESFJ content from Alexis and this shadow stuff that I am now naming and having to decide what I'm going to do about it, about the job. Okay. If you can tell, I am outside walking. I'm walking the dogs. And part of the reason that it's hard for me to get episodes out to you is that I'm very aware that I don't have privacy in the house and sometimes I just don't care and sometimes I just don't want to be um just don't feel like reflecting with an audience even if my neighbors have access to this uh, podcast that's fine I just don't feel like doing it in real time in front of them and uh, and so walking is really a place where I have some privacy, but then you have all this background noise, like birds, although I don't hear a lot of birds this morning. Traffic. I heard a couple of lawnmowers going and dogs barking. And so I'm asking you to be a little forgiving for those that background noise. Good morning. There it is. Hold on a second. <laughs> Funny. Just as I was saying, dogs and noise... Um, there was a dog and a human and that's another piece I run into humans and typically when they're smiling and saying hi to me I'm going to say hi before hitting the pause button so (laughs) so anywho, so please be a little forgiving of that but I am really a nice morning and nice day and um, I want to just do some talking with you all right If you're new to this project, though, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ-eat. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I am a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of almost 30 years. Half of the time is in leadership or has been in leadership. Or yes, I think that's the way I should say it has been. Politically, I subscribe to tenets of critical race feminism. And that means I have an intellectual sensitivity for social constructs such as class, race, gender sexuality to name a few this project is unedited and is unscripted to know more about it or me please feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com interestingly enough you guys i tried to do the response to alexis kingsley as a youtube reflection it would have just made sense youtube reflection to some youtube content but i could not get it into 15 minutes i tried twice And I said, maybe that's because this is a longer reflection and more than likely because it needs to integrate with this decision that I have to make about what I'm going to do with the work shadows. So I'm just going to bounce back and forth between these two points, the ESFJ content from Alexis and the shadow, the shadows at the job. Okay, we're just going to bounce back and forth and hopefully you'll follow along with me. I know you will. You guys, you guys know me by now, right? <laughs> so anyway, so this morning I got up and I was um, just curious about ESFJ leadership. So I am on a three-person directorship team. There are three directors now. Technically, there is a lead director, but the way our roles are positioned in the organization, we're the three directors. And I got to tell you about how I, um, every month we do a full day's worth of training. And then we have a a meeting once a month. And I volunteered to take lead on the meeting for this past Wednesday. And there were some reactions to it. (laughs) Um, Interesting. And they weren't necessarily, they weren't bad. But they were political. And so I'd love to talk about that a little bit. But, and I, well, let me just say this. One of the, it was really a, it was very well received. I really was proud of myself on so many levels. And I'll, I will share that with you. But the political reactions that we got um, that I heard was, why is she running the whole day by herself? Because they have never had a day's meeting where all three directors Uh, Where they usually, those meetings are usually facilitated by all three directors. And this past week, I was like, no, I need you two to sit down. (laughs) And I said in the meeting at the beginning of the day that I volunteered to run point, to run lead all day. And there were people who were feeling protective of me, like I might have been being used And and they had to say, I have to remember, she volunteered, she volunteered, and I did, I did volunteer. (laughs) So we might we might get a little into that, Um, because I really did. And there were there was a there were four reasons why I felt it was necessary. I'm an INTJ and I'm strategizing, right? So as a strategist, even though getting in front of people and you know. Training is really not my jam. I lead from behind. But as a, from a strategist's perspective, I knew I had to do that. There were four reasons. And I might explain that to you in this reflection. If I don't give it to you today, I'm sure I'll give it to you. I'm going to cross a busy street, so I'm going to put you guys on hold for a second. So I am on a busy street, so you should hear more traffic. So, again, my apologies, but I felt like it was... It'll be worth pushing through this, so hopefully you will push through it with me. So yeah, there was a reason why there were four reasons why I decided to get in front um, on that on Wednesday, even though historically they have never had that happen before a meeting, and they have they didn't know me because I'm new, and so um, and again if I give it to you now then I'm gonna fall into a rabbit hole so. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that. I feel like I lost myself. So just bear with me. I'm just going to jump back in here somewhere. That um, there are three directors. And typically they are. They have historically functioned as. We're going to all do this work together. And I have been saying to myself. That just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to have. Three directors on every meeting. In every meeting. So about a week ago, we were in a meeting, and um, they were, uh, there was a team, there was a work team that wanted to give us an update on X, Y, or Z, and I was asking follow-up questions and some of the questions they couldn't answer and uh, I heard through the grapevine that people there were people on that, on that team that felt like I didn't really understand the objective of the meeting based on the questions I was asking so instead of saying those questions were coming up because there was something that we didn't deliver they, they problematized me I didn't understand that's fine that's fine But where I was coming from is, did it really take all three directors to get an update on what a team is doing? I said, that's an expensive meeting. When you think about the salaries of all three directors, was it it a necessary use of resources? Moving on. So the whole point that I'm getting at is that there are three directors, and right now we are really positioned as being equally invested in the leadership of the organization, okay? Now, I'm an INTJ, <laughs> so my intj is going to influence the leadership style. It is very, very clear to me that our lead director is an ESFJ, now, when I first met her, there was a part of me that wanted to say she was an ENFJ. And I it didn't take me long to go, no, 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 nope, 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 nope. She's an ESFJ. Now, when I listen to the content from Alexis, I feel like I have a better understanding as to why I thought the lead director was could be an ENFJ. Um, so I'll share that with you in a little bit. Now, the other director is a little bit... Um, more confusing for me because there were things that I knew about her that made me go she's probably an ESFJ but then I was not experiencing her as an ESFJ I was experiencing her in my mind as an ENFJ so whereas my initial whereas my lead director I initially saw her as an ENFJ and I quickly calibrated to go "Mm -mm, nope that's an esfj my counterpart hi my counterpart i initially thought she was an esfj and then calibrated to go "Mm, no she's probably an esfj now y'all know y'all already know I'm not, I've never ever told y'all I was a typologist that I can type people, although I'm getting pretty damn good at it, y'all. But (laughs) this is a clear example that I got some work to do. Okay, so, but I have started experiencing my counterpart, the one I think thought was an ENFJ. I have started experiencing what I feel as a bite. Like, I feel sensors have a little bite to them, a bite for me. little bite it's just like I don't even want to say it's a sting because to me a sting lingers and I don't linger in that whatever that bite is I feel I but I notice it it's distinct so she started having a bite and that's how I was able to move my lead director from an NFJ in my mind to an ESFJ because I noticed her bite and so when this counterpart that I was like, well, oh, she's an ENFJ because the way we, we make meaning together, we linger in this abstract space together. I started experiencing a bite with her, but I didn't experience that bite right away. Okay. So I've been like, hmm. Well, the lead director feels that, that my counterpart is an ESFJ. I don't know if I've told you, but I have taken them on a, through an MBTI training. It's a three-session three training. A total of seven and a half hours four and a half hours so actually it's going to end up being six because i'm adding a session but it originally was designed for three sessions and um just an hour and a half is not enough time those really need to be three half day sessions based on what i'm doing with it i'm pretty impressed with what i've done y'all this workshop is pretty good to figure out how to give that to you um so i'm I'm doing so good that they're starting to use the vocabulary you know the jargon and the framework from m b t i as we are talking and doing leadership, which is the whole point trying to get um use the m b t i as an instrument for leadership so my lead director was like no i think no I think she's a sensor and not an intuitive and um and so more and more, I just have been questioning it, and she's been questioning, questioning it. So she took a test, and it said she was an ENFJ. But more and more, she is seeing parts of her that's ESFJ. So I asked her the other day, has she been reading about Good Morning? <laughs> I asked her if she'd been reading about ESFJs, and she said, yeah. And she thinks right now she's a split. But we already know that that's not how the Myers Briggs is designed. There's no splitting. If you will. I found an article uh, in the week that said. That ESFJs with an Enneagram type 2 orientation. They come across as ENFJs. And as soon as I read that I was like. Boom. There it is. And so I know now why she is coming across as an ENFJ. For me. uh, Because when we're one on one. When we're. (laughs) When we're one on one. She gives. She's using that FE function more than her SI function. And based on what Alexis said in her YouTube content, with that tertiary function, she could be leaning as she leans more into the FE. I'm getting more of her NE. And that's why she's that's why I'm feeling the intuitives from both of them, from both of them. Because when we're in this one-on-one space, they're doing more FE. And by nature of doing more of your extroverted function, that tertiary, which is also extroverted, comes along with the ride. That's fascinating to me. That is brilliant. And that is what one of the things that came out of my listening to Alexis is that I don't even know how she explained it now. But she did say this. She talked about um, the, un- under, oh, the two weaker functions in the in the lowest half of the stack. And the tertiary is the overused weaker function. And the inferior is the underused weaker function. And the reason why that tertiary becomes um, overused is because it's in the same direction of the dominant function. So if you're an extrovert, as... as I'm sorry... I'm sorry, if you're an extrovert, um, as in the extroverted, as in the ESFJ, you are going to, when you are trying to really rely on that dominant function, when you give preference to that dominant function, then you are activating by, like I said, default, the tertiary function, which is also extroverted. And for ESFJs, that tertiary function is extroverted intuition. And because I'm not getting any resistance as an INTJ from that, because in this one on one space, these ESFJs are trying to give me, trying to connect with me, trying to bond with me, mold with me, whatever. They are giving me the extroverted feeling. There is no risk, there are no barriers to that. And so I'm, so I'm not feeling any, I'm not feeling that SI and that FE, which I normally feel as problematic in a group. I don't feel it as problematic in a group because the FE now is being used solely to connect to me. And so there's nothing that's stopping me from connecting with those function, other functions. And I'm able, as an, as a dominant intuitive, I'm able to connect to their tertiary intuitive and holy smokes, holy my goodness, rather. That's fascinating. And that is one of the things that came out of that YouTube content. Hold on. So that's one thing. I told you there were two things that came out of that content. And I kind of like how the first thing came up uh, um, organically. So so this morning, I was, because I am co-leading with them, and I'm starting to see shadows in the organization I'm trying to figure, I'm naturally wired to address those shadows, particularly if they get, if they interfere with the organization's production, if, if they interfere with the organization's, excuse me, effectiveness. And I'm struggling with that is honestly, if I can be really honest, I'm struggling with my natural wiring to move in and address those shadows. And here's one of the reasons why I'm struggling with it. I, when, you, when I move in to fix the shadows, I'm actually going in to fix the, the not-so-positive traits of these two women, their leadership style. There's a way that they're leading... That has a negative impact on the organization by, by way of my assessment, right? And I'm trying, I have diagnosed that a significant portion of the shadows are related not to these two women in by their dominant function, but they're by their shadows because they don't really know how to play in to their dominant functions and all, in all honesty, they're not positioned. Mm -mm, The organit—this here it is. This is what it is. This is the shadow as, er, as I understand it, as relating to these two women, the organization needs more than those two dominant, those two functions that they share. The organization needs to have more from more from their leadership than just extroverted feeling and introverted sensing. The organization needs a thinking function. I don't even know if the organization needs an intuitive function. Although I think I'm biased, right? (laughs) But the organization has not had access to their... To any other function in terms of it being strong. Other than extroverted feeling, introverted sensing. So do you guys get what I'm saying? extroverted feeling and introverted sensing is not problematic in for leadership it's problematic if they have not situated people around them to balance them off and this is where it gets a little tricky and I'm hoping I'm not revealing too much because I haven't told you where I work don't talk about where I live and I haven't given any names so hopefully that is enough to protect people's not just their privacy but their dignity right I'm not trying to berate anybody, but I am trying to make sense for myself, so I can be a a high functioning and productive team member, and so I can stay away from my shadows because my shadow is definitely going to be activated if I don't find a way to um to make sense of what it, the shadows that I'm experiencing. So, I believe. That there is another person who's not in a director position, but is in a semi-leadership position, who has at, who has te a tertiary te, and that tertiary te is needed by the lead director, and so that lead director relies on that. If she's an ENFP, relies on her for the tertiary. For the tertiary function, TE, for the ENFP. But let's go back to something Alexis said. That tertiary function is a real function in the stack. But it is a weaker function. And even if it's overused, it's still weak. It's still a weaker function. It's just probably stronger than the inferior. And I don't want to say that all of this ENFJs... Uh, Excuse me. All this ENFPs, uh, uh, you all the usage of that tertiary TE is weak. I don't think that because we know that those two middle functions, the auxiliary and the tertiary function, somebody said they toggle. You can go, you can, like a light switch. You can flip back and forth, but you should not be you in that tertiary function a lot. Can can you dip down and use that tertiary function? Yep. You need to be. You need to be come back to the, the, the uh, to the top of the stack, and it's possible that that just this te is not as robust as it could be if it was in the top of the stack. And hell, I'll even acknowledge as an INTJ, and I feel like my te is the bomb. As but it's still in all of its bombness, if you will, it's still auxiliary. It is not dominant, so it's not going to be the bomb.com like an ENTJ. Although I feel pretty good about my TE. There's just things that it will not be able to do because it doesn't live there as a dominant function. So, a shadow component to this job is that you have two of the directors who don't have access to a thinker thinking function in the top of their stack. Also, I believe that they don't have access to intuition, which is long-range planning, and that one of the r- directors is relying on a tertiary TE from somebody else. Now, because that director is relying on the TE. now I'm not saying the. Now, let me be clear. I am not saying. The lead director is relying on this person, this ENF. Hold on, I'm buying some traffic. One second. Okay, so check this out. I'm not saying that the lead director is relying on the ENFP. Totally. I am saying, though, that she's relying on that tertiary TE function. That's an overused weakness. And not only that. The organization can they know, they know that there's a connection between that person and the lead director. But because that person is not in a directorship position, the lead director is not open about the connection. And and the lead in terms of her utilizing that TE function. She's not gonna she's not gonna be public about that. And I get it. Because it's not like this ENFP is telling the director with you. I hope not. But that lead director is relying on that TE function because TE is a good, it is is necessary in an organization when you're leading. So now you have somebody who's in a quasi-leadership function position that has a TE, tertiary or not, and you don't have it. Yes, you're going to use it. You're going to borrow it. You're going to lead on it. And the rest of the organization can see that this ENFP has influence in the lead director's ear they can see it and they're bothered by it and some of my knowing how do, how do I know that some of that is because people have said directly to me as many people have said that and and it's bothering me <laughs> and I can see it and I can see it as well intuitively I see it What are you going to do with that? Okay. We're going to keep. I'm going to linger here, y'all. Because this is helping me. I don't know if you're following all of these letters. (laughs) All these cognitive functions. But it's helping me. So the other director, my counterpart, who's technically the other assistant director. Because my official title is assistant director. And so there's another person with that title, assistant director. So when you hear me say my counterpart, that's who I'm talking about. She is the other ESFJ. That I thought was an ENFJ. She's an ESFJ. She can see. That the lead director. Is respecting me. And is relying. Relying on me a little bit. Valuing me. Giving me a seat at the table. And. There's a little bit of. Jealousy there. There. And a little bit of competitiveness, and I'm because she's basically said it, and we've, I've, I, and I've been working with her to be honest about it, because I'm like I'm going to feel it either way, and as we're going to have a harmonious relationship, which I know you do, we need to be honest about this, and I'm just coming to terms with that is probably one of the reasons why I'm really enjoying the job because she does lead director is needing my extroverted thinking and it's tethered to my introverted intuition. So I am literally using the functions at the top of my stack. And not only am I using them, they are being welcomed and encouraged. That is good. Y'all. However, (laughs) there is a hiccup to this. There are limits To what my N I and T E can do as an assistant director. Positionally speaking. So last year you heard me talking about I don't have positionality, I don't have positionality. And I didn't. And this year I have a hell of a a hell of a lot more positionality than I did last year. So I can do a lot more. And so on the surface, hold on a second. I don't know. I, was, I had you guys on hold for a second. So I think I was saying on the surface, it's great. I have more positionality in this in this job. I can do more. Yes. But there is a but. In doing more, ultimately, I just want to be effective, right? And here's this is the challenge that I'm struggling with. I fundamentally believe I do not want to be in the lead director's role I don't and there are a number of reasons why I don't I'm not going to get into that but I've been checking in with myself like, do you do you really want it because I'm I'm functioning like the, I am starting to function like the lead director not completely there are some limits here there are some boundaries that are established which I'm glad because if those boundaries weren't there, let me put it this way. If those boundaries weren't there, I would move in as lead. I know I would. And if you're an INTJ listening to me, you already understand what it is. It's not that we want to be lead, but when we, it's, we're tasked to get the job done. <laughs> if it requires for me to step up in a leadership position, then that's what I have to do. It's not like I'm like, I have to do it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it automatically. There's automacy here. You do it instinctively. You don't process it. And so I'm looking up and I'm like, whoa, I am, I am dangerously tapping on the door of, of lead director. And that's what my counterpart said to me yesterday. She said, you're the, you're the director. Now I have to be careful with this because I'm like, yeah, you're just saying that as dominant F.E. Cause you think that's going to make me feel good, but it's not. So if you're extroverted feeling, think function is think, thinking that you're stroking my ego, you're, you're sadly mistaken because I don't want to be lead. So that's my only concern. But she did say, you need to be the director. You're, that's who you are. And she, and now, one thing she said that I found fascinating, she said, that's who you are. She said, you're lead. You're lead director. You're not an assistant director. So I challenged her. I said, neither are you. This is what I love about the team. I love that I'm on a team of real leaders. This lady was a high school principal for nine years. You do not function as a high school principal for nine years if you don't have leadership jobs. I'm going to tell you right now, y'all. I love that my counterpart was an high, was a high school principal for nine years. Because that means that, that increased the value of that assistant directorship position. That that assistant directorship position is not a is not a leader in waiting. It's not a director in waiting. And I love the fact that they acknowledge... Hold on, you guys. There's a some lawnmower stuff. I, I'm going to put you guys on pause for two minutes. I hope that I will remember. I can pick up where I left off. One second. Alright. Truth is what I'm saying. I don't remember where I left off because I had a couple of distractions. So... I'm just going to drop, drop in here somewhere, okay? Um, so this notion that my, my, my instinct is to step in where there's a gap, it's real. And I think that's why the, my counterpart was saying to me yesterday, you really should be the director. What she doesn't understand is I don't want to be. But what I do want is for my, for, for us to be high functioning and, and this is, I think this is what I was saying and really celebrating the fact that we really are all directors because what my, what, while I was not a high school principal for nine years, I did lead a school that had high school enrollment for about 6 and when i and i was the executive leader and i was the founder and i think that's the connection i have with my lead director she's the founder of this organization and i have deep respect and admiration for that and i don't care how much shadow work she has i respect her for that reason alone, she's the founder and that's that she's just the founder. And it's, and it's not, we, we, this organization has made it past 10 years. It's still a young organization. So I have deep respect for her, admiration, and I'm protective of her. And I said that out loud to everybody to the, when I was talking to them on Wednesday, but this is the, but there are some genuine gaps in leadership There are some genuine gaps in leadership and I'm not going to be effective. So this is the conundrum that I'm in. I'm not going to be effective side by side with those gaps. And maybe I can, I have to figure that out, but this is what I'm struggling with. At the end of the day, I did not come to take over an organization. And I'm going to be honest with you. I actually don't even think I could do it. Now let me let me say I'm an INTJ. I can do it if I put my mind to it. I don't want to learn those new skills. I love I love the expertise that I have. I love the expertise that I have. I love my strengths, and I'm not interested in building new expertise or strengths. I'm just not. So I want somebody else to you. This is your jam, then you do it. But my question is, what is it that I'm supposed to do, and can I do that thing well, while your shadows are loud, while the shadows of the organization, while those gaps are loud? And that's just a question. So I think, when I think about my excitement with the YouTube content from Alexis, I think I said two of the three already. Number one, she talked about the overuse of that tertiary function. So I've spoken about that. She's also talked about, so she also talked about the extroverted intuition and why that in the ESFJ can be leaned on when that person, you know, is leaning into their extroverted function. So i have connected to that. And I think the last thing that came from her, that YouTube content, that is relevant as I'm thinking about my job, is what she said about the dominant function and identity. So, Alexis said something I've never heard anybody say before. Like, we talk about the dominant function. We we lean into that. We live there. We do it unconsciously. We do it unknowingly. It's just who we are. Fine, fine, fine. But I'm 90% sure she also said it's our identity. And I've never heard anybody else say that. As a matter of fact, I was in a a group with INFJs and INTJs, and it was believed that identity was connected to the tertiary. Now, I don't know if that's, let me, so that, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me correct that that was one way the identity was talked about but as i think more ac- uh, accurately about it is that identity is connected to the thinking function which could have a re- could be related to our western society valuing the thinking function and f- so for the infj that thinking function is tertiary as in ti and then for the intj that thinking function is auxiliary so Identity might be connected to thinking because it's we are in a thinking society, and that's just what our our culture values. I don't know what do you guys think about that. But either way, Alexis said the dom- the identity is in that dominant function, and I would have never said that up until a few weeks ago. I, w- I would have uh, I identified with my thinking function. And I've talked about this on other episodes primarily because I was disconnected from my N.I., not disconnected, but my N.I. had been outsourced as God. It was my God function. So when I was really into church and religion and I was having this deep insights, these flashes of knowing, this ability to see into the future, to, the, the ability to see things that other people couldn't see, that was because that was the Holy Spirit. That was God. And I'm not saying God doesn't have anything to do with it. So if you are religious and don't get upset, I'm not throwing God away. But I'm telling you, I didn't have a, f- a relationship with that dominant function because I outsourced that to a God that's on the outside of me. So I had no internal relationship with the introvert intuition. It was something that I put on the outside of me as connected to this God idea. So, And there's another reason why I didn't connect with dominant in- introverted intuition. Because I come from a sensor fam- family and they vilified it. Which is probably why I had value in giving it a God function. That's probably why I had value in giving that cognitive function a God treatment. Because in my family, they were vilifying introverted intuition. So for two reasons, I just wasn't connected with that dominant function. So no, it was not my identity. It just wasn't. But the more and more I am maturing into myself and self-acceptance and the healing work that I've done from trauma... And all of that Growing and just getting back on my feet And being in the second half of life You guys know I'm 51 years old now So just the more I do that The more I see And I'm going to say something that feels gross So just I need to say it though because there's no other way to say it But I want you to know it feels gross to say it The more I am Healing and becoming Secure and Settling into who I really 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 am the more i've been thinking about acknowledging myself as a prophet or being prophetic and that's a big word for me and although i'm not into religion like i was i still value spirituality deeply i still value a god construct even though i even though my relationship to the god construct is complicated there's still some confusion. I'm not completely settled on it right now. But prophecy is, is, belongs to God in my mind, or no matter how, I'm com- how complicated it is for me, how, no matter how confused I am, prophecy for me is associated with God. So to say that I'm a prophet, or to say that I have prophetic tendencies, feels like I'm calling myself a God, and that feels gross. even though I do believe prophecy is a gift. But it's just something I struggle with. But in the last few weeks, I have become more and more aware that that's what I'm doing. So let's take prophecy. Let's not use the word uh, prophecy or prophetic. I, particularly because you know I'm back into my writing. I got my writerly life is awesome. I'm working on seven pieces. About three of them are almost done. Two are halfway done, and two of them I just started. Anyway, I I do not want to get into those writing pieces, because I'm, like, in love with the process. And I had this process back in 2016, 17, and 18. And then something happened with my... I was doing um, this... I I have two writerly lives. One is through my laptop when I'm working on a book and then one is through my phone when I'm working on essays that I for blogging there's an app that I use on my phone and in 2019 something happened with my phone and all of those pieces that I was working on on my phone were deleted and it had to be about 16 of them I was devastated and I just have not been motivated to build it up but something has happened in the last 6 months it's just this new phone I have no idea there's nothing about this new phone cuz I got a new phone in January. Maybe because I maybe because I lost those 16 pieces on the old phone. I don't know, but since January I've started building up my my blogging life again. And part of it is because i cut down on my number of podcasting on my amount of podcasts. I've already explained all of this. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole again, but I love it. I'm loving it. Like, even this morning, like, I'm just going to do a few things. on. I worked on, I, I added to three of my pieces. And it was so easy. I must have spent about 45 minutes and I tweaked three pieces. I just, add, I just up, upgraded them. Just wrote a sentence here, changed the word there, moved a paragraph around here. And it's just an ongoing practice. And in that writing lifestyle... I am I am doing what would be considered the work of a it's hard to say it let me say it different I can't say it I just really can't but I'm what I love about it is that I'm writing I'm giving name and words to what I only see and now when I name it other people can see it too and that fills my bucket more than anything. This thing, because it's a stressor of that dominant introverted intuition, when you see things, and then you know we've talked about this. People have talked about this in the type community. That it's hard to explain it or talk about it, particularly when you're talking to a sensor. So you have this knowing, and you don't have word. You don't have a way of explaining it. But through my writing, and now I have developed a style of blogging, not a, not the style of writing research, or not the style of writing in the book. But th- there's a style that is attached to how I blog, and it's pretty consistent. I can now it's so consistent that I can now see it as a style, and how I build, um, how I build understanding for my reader, like a like building blocks. First, I set the foundation. I may write a few paragraphs and set the foundation. Then I go into another section, and in that second section, I'm going to build a second layer. Of building blocks. And then the third layer. And then I wrap it up at, you know, man, my God, it's good. It's really good, y'all. It's really, really good. <laughs> it's good for me. And I think I'm not really marketing it. But I'm for the, the fact that I'm not marketing those pieces, I think it's, it's good in that I'm not, you know, it's not being marketed. And I need to figure out how to market it. And I think you know, the reason why I don't market is because of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a subject matter that is kind of controversial uh, as relating to the work that I do. Um, and my job now is more in alignment with those topics, but I still have to be careful. So I just i am not sure how I want to market it. But I'm certain that if, I, if and when I do, I'm believing it's good. So when she said, when Alexis talked about That identity being located in that dominant function, that resonated with me this morning because I was listening to her this morning. And in my dominant function, I am a knower. I'm a seer. And And that is who I am. And that feels good to just say, damn it, that is just who I am. Oh, my goodness. And I think... I think that this truth that I'm saying, like I am a seer, I'm a knower as a dominant, introvert, intuitive, I think that that's going to have value for me as I'm trying to build my friendship community and even dating. If I can accept this truth and bring people into my life, kind of like, kind of like how, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like these ESFJs who are valuing me. They're valuing me for something that I've had, that I've been disconnected from. My goodness, this is kind of amazing. This is all kinds of secondary amazing. Like, this is beyond the job. This is on a personal level amazing. So, but true to any, I said so, but true to any kind of prophet, if you will, if you study prophets in the Bible or prophets that we acknowledge in the past. There's no prophet that does not have persecution of some sort. It's a curse. It's not a curse. It's a challenge to see what other people can't see. Especially when you talk about it. One thing if I see it and then I write about it and I stuff it in a drawer. No, I'm not doing that. I'm talking about it. I'm writing about it. I'm speaking about it. Well, speaking and talking is the same but you guys get what I'm doing here? (laughs) so I go into a job where I am the second I have the assistant director positionality and I have a director that values what I bring to the table but at the end of the day and this is what I woke up with this morning you can value me all day long but let's be honest you have not I don't have access to all the powerpoints that you have and I'm going to find a way to talk about that not because i really want access to all of those powerpoints but i need her to do a better job at understanding who she is in the organization cuz part of her shadow is not fully igno- owning her her power she tries to minimize that and then when you don't own that you don't hold your, you're not accountable and i found oh my gosh I found, because today I was like academic, I went into, I was like looking at, looking for scholarship for the MBTI and leadership. And I wanted academic articles and I found a research study that looked and talked about four types of leadership styles and it's connect. And then it connects it to the MBTI. Oh, I haven't gotten to the connection part, y'all, but there were four types of leadership styles. And so I'm going to say something that's pejorative, that's negative. I'm going to say it to you guys because, first of all, I'm semi-anonymous, semi, because I already know it takes nothing but a heart, you know, for, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters only because I'm protective of some people, um, but it is what it is. So the other day, I w- yesterday I was in a conversation with someone and they talked about white women's work, white women's work now. Teaching has always been considered a white woman's occupation. Excuse, I, let me correct that. It has not always been considered a white woman's occupation because initially teaching was done by men. But when men went off to the war and women had to step up to, do, to take those spaces, it then became a white woman's role. So f- historically it is best understood as a white woman's job. So when black women or women of color come into that workspace, even though we're women, we don't function like white women. And so when a man steps into a position that is historically treated as a white woman's job, like a nurse, right? There is a dynamic tension that exists between his gender, the social constructs of his gender, and... The way he embodies that position. A few years ago on my my primary podcast, I interviewed someone and she talked about being trained as to be a white teacher. She was trained as though she was a white teacher. A white female teacher. I was like, what? She said the program I went through trained me as though I was a white woman. And what she meant was... Any of the challenges that would be associated as white women stepping into a particular type of uh, serving a particular demographic regarding students would typically, typically, there are exceptions, would typically have these challenges. So the training that this my friend went through trained her for those challenges that those challenges are primarily experienced by white women and not by women of color. So when she said that she was trained to be a white female teacher, I got it. Fast forward to today. The, so yesterday I was talking to someone, a woman of color, and she said this organization is ran by white women. And it is, that is true. So there you put a woman of color in me. I hate that expression, but let's go with it. Me as a black woman, a woman of color. And now I'm one of the directors. I'm going to feel that tension. Because I'm not functioning as a white female leader. Which is probably why I was getting up this morning trying to study it. But based on what... I'm back at a busy street. Let me say this one point before I have to put you guys on hold. Because I don't want to lose this. But based on the research that I saw this morning that talked about four leadership styles. Style number three is exactly how white women embody leadership. Typically. Typically. You guys already know we we're talking about statistically patterns. Are there exceptions? Absolutely. But stylistically, that is how this organization has been run, managed through this particular leadership style. And I, as an INTJ, different to, from these ESFJs, and as a woman of color, Black woman of color am going to bring in something different and not watching that difference as it relates to my director counterparts and watching that direct uh, difference as relating to the people who are supposed to follow me or you know what I mean who i 'm supposed to support and lead that 's significant that 's significant. So we're almost at the top of the hour. It's time for me to start bringing closure. And I need to just pause for a second and see if I have gotten to the essence of the impression or what I needed as I talked about the job and this content from Alexis. And I think ultimately I said I wanted to just figure out what I'm going to do. Like what action am I going to take? Because the shadow of the job is partially because... Number one, they are without, they have their superpower, which is great. We, the organization doesn't have access to the thinking function and the thinking function that is being accessed is being accessed in this covert way and from a place of weakness. So that's two. And then three there's me as an INTJ black woman of color. How is that? How is my, how is how are my strengths? They're being utilized, but how, how does it, is it inspiring competition? Is it, is it inspiring deception? Like not device, not deception, divisiveness. Does it look like I am trying to take over? Because this is, I don't know if I don't know if this is what my counterpart was suggesting. She could have been low-key trying to suggest that I'm trying to take over. But one of the comments with, remember I said that uh, politically they were wondering why I led that work that that training or that meeting on Wednesday it can one of the comments was like, well why was she doing that? Why was she doing? Why did she run that meeting the whole day and she's new? And she's not the lead director. That was a question that came up several times. <laughs> so I stepped... And the reason why I did it, and I said there were four reasons. Um, I primarily did it. I primarily took lead and volunteered. Because they were getting ready to come up with some bogus reason to get in front of the staff just because... That day was designated as a day for meeting and I'm like, no, you cannot do that. You've got to use this day to, as, um, as a, how do I say it? As an opportunity to connect to the end. Where are we trying to go? So I asked my lead director, I said to her, cause that, that meeting was on Wednesday I asked her on Monday, I said, I know you're busy, but if you could identify three to four bullets about where you want this organization to be, where do you want the staff to be by June? I know it's tough, but if you could find that, she did. Tuesday, she gave it. And Tuesday, I had the ability to see where she wanted to end. And then I'm watching how they wanted to treat this very first meeting. I was like, oh no, this is not the setup to the end. This is not going to be it. And then I think the challenge is that here's the other piece. I think it would have been better if I could have said, no, you guys, this is it. There's a better way to use today. Use, use tomorrow, which would have been Wednesday. And then work collaboratively with them. But that's not my strength. Now, I am a, I believe I'm a collaborative leader from a position of authority, but not a collaborative leader from a position of a peer. Now that I've never said that before. I need to think about that some more, but let me just, let's just say it that if I had a team who, who reported to me, I could empower that team and we could collaborate, but at the end of the day I'm, I'm empowering and I'm directing them in the collaboration. But when I have, I'm collaborating with people who are my peer and one is technically my supervisor, I can't really direct you. I'm doing a little bit of it. But it doesn't feel safe. I don't feel secure doing that at all. I don't know how other INTJs do that when they step up and they start leading and there's a supervisor there. It's not like you're stepping in to a gap and there's nobody in authority in that position. You're stepping up and there's a person in authority. That is not settling for me. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I've been in the executive lead before. I'm not sure. But... And then after the end of the meeting on Wednesday, um, after I did the meeting and it felt good. I was so excited the next day to come and process with the other two directors. I was... Oh, sorry, Bye-bye. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> literally, people stopped. Just, lady just stopped in the middle of the street to talk about my dogs. <laughs> but... I don't even know where I was at. I just don't know how to. Oh, I think at the. Okay, so I was so excited to process with them of what we had observed and all the data points that came out of that meeting, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't. They were waiting for me to lead them on the next step, and I was a little perturbed by that because nowhere, nowhere was it written that I was going to be the one directing the post meeting so we had a meeting with the staff on Wednesday and then Thursday we the three directors got together and I sure I was going to have a place to a, a role to play but I was not expecting to drive that conversation so you guys should literally see me cuz I'm sitting there going I'm not going to lead I'm not going to lead I'm not going to say anything nope 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 and I'm my head I'm melting my brain is melting the whole time Because just because I say I'm not going to do it doesn't mean that they're going to step up and do it because that's the strategy in my mind. Don't step up. Don't step up because it's going to force them to do so. And that's not what happened. (laughs) And I had to step up. And so that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good. And then from a space of equity and parity, I'm not getting paid. I'm pretty sure I'm the least paid amongst the three. I'm certain of it. I don't even want to bring it up and be disappointed. I just have to. I'm accepting. I'm. I'm paid the least out of the three of them, and I don't have access points to all the all access to all the powerpoints. Again, I'm not terrible. I'm not. I don't necessarily want all the responsibility. So. So I don't know. I don't really know what I'm going to do. And then the, the flip side, and I'm very close, I promise. Um, the flip side of this is I'm in a, this organization is really positioned to impact and empower the lives of students who have IEPs and students of color, so students who are disadvantaged. This The organization I work for, is really positioned to change the ex- lives of students who are marginalized. And so regardless how much I get paid or not, regardless if there's pay inequity, regardless if I don't have full access to all the problems, regardless if I have insecurity stepping up into a lead position when there's a, the, the true leader is sitting right there, the, there's a part of me that is saying, you get a chance. You you might have an opportunity to change the lives of kids who are disadvantaged. And so what about how much you get paid? So much. So what about the, you, how you feel insecure in this particular spot? So what in terms of having limited power? And I don't know. I don't. I was hoping that by the end of this reflection, I would feel resolved. With it. I do not. I can say that having that kind of impact on children, it's worth it. That's making me linger here because otherwise I'd be like, hell no, I'm not doing all of that. <laughs> hell no. I know. I just don't really know. I don't know. And then this is the last, I keep saying this is the last piece, I promise. But this is a piece that I didn't get a chance to talk about. We'll have to do it at another time. Because of the absence of some of those other cognitive functions... There's so much distrust and disrespect amongst the staff as it relates to the leadership. It's ridiculous. And then I step up to the plate, and I'm intuitive. I can feel that, and I know how, to, and I'm very comfortable. I can identify a place of disrespect or gap, and I know how to step into it. The, the yeah, so that's good that I can do that. But the flip side it looks like I'm the to be the one Oh, you can trust me. You can't trust her. I don't want to do that. I don't want to play that game. I don't want to be the preferred director. I don't, believe it or not, I don't want to be that. And I think I'm saying it in wonderment for myself. Like, wow, I really don't want to be that. But I don't know how to be effective and avoid that happening all the time. And at the end of the day, I want to be effective. That's like my primary motivation. Is to be effective. And I genuinely don't know what to do with that. So what I've been trying to do is carve out a structure. Like I'm trying to propose a new structure. So I'm like, okay, y'all, uh, you director number two, you stay over there, director number one, you do your thing. And I'm director number three. I'm over here. And we come together once a week for a couple of hours. But at the end of the day, during the week, you're doing your thing, you're doing your thing, and I'm doing my thing. And we don't have to cross paths. That's my thinking in my perfect world. And that's what I'm trying to create a structure that will allow for us to be great independently and come together once a week to collaborate. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's wishful thinking. I don't know. So what am I going to do? I hit the record button to decide what action I'm going to take. And I'm not sure. What action do I want to take? There's a small portion of me that's hoping that because I'm, I'm tasked to come up with a new organizational model. I'm not going to unpack that right now, but that's what I've been working on. Now I've been working on that and that's not necessarily on my job description how I'm going to be evaluated, but in two weeks when I meet with my uh, supervisor, we are going to talk about my evaluation plan for the year and what I'm going to focus on, so the thing that I've been doing, the thing that I've been tasked to do, that's going down on that paper, coming up with an organizational model for effectiveness, I'm going to put that down, and you're going to have to own that you've been allowing me to do this, you're going to own it, it's not going to be that I just did it, I did it and you've asked for it. Whether I do it well or not, right? That's the next, that's the next thing I gotta struggle with and worry about. Like, shit, can I do it? Really, can I do it? <laughs> but they say INTJs, we move about confidently. And for the most part, I'm fairly confident, but I'm human, right? I'm, this is a different kind of organization. I've never, I, no, a lot of, lot of newness here. So like, there's a part of me that's realistically saying, yo, can you do it? But I'm moving forward as though I can. And so there's a small part of me that's wondering if I can set up the structure to be non-hierarchical. And in a non-hierarchical position, we take dominion in particular areas that will, and then at the same time, acknowledge and, and, and then redefine areas of accountability. There's a part of me that thinks that might be possible. And then if that is possible, lock it in and then communicate it out with the staff. And then the staff knows to deal with me in my domain and hold me accountable for my domain. And then likewise for the other two directors. That might be wishful thinking, but that's what my brain is. I think that's where I want to go. So it has been awesome thinking about. This as it relates to two ESFJs, and you guys most I talk about ESFJs as being like, whoa, I do not get along with them. But I don't this is the first time I'm interacting with the ESFJs on par. And we're not really fighting each other for power. And I wonder if there's a relation, if there's some relatedness in that. The ESFJs, I knew in the past, my mama. <laughs> my former superintendent, and this lady that was in the office with me, the one who wanted to be dominant and then fragile and start crying, girl bye, whatever, we'll talk about that some other time, so those are the three ESFJs, and you guys already know how I feel about FE, but this this has been a fascinating, uh, just reacquaintance since becoming reacquainted with these ESFJs these different uh, ESFJs in this position, so you guys, if this reflection is at any value for you, please give it a heart, if this conversation about ESFJs, about the identity located in a dominant function, about the overused and uh, weak functions as tertiary and overused, underused weak function, as inferior as the inferior function, as in connecting to SEF, ESFJs to that NE tertiary function, as relating to leadership, as relating to INTJ uh, dominance, as relating to leadership, as leadership as relating to white woman's work, or stylistically, maybe um, any of this relates to a conversation that you've had in the world. Please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you. Um, I'd love to hear that. You can reach me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Twitter, yournidom1. Facebook or YouTube, yournidom. Let me give you your assignment. Most of the times when I give you these assignments, I'm coming from a deficit lens, to be honest with you. I never thought about it like that, you know, where I'm talking about incompleteness, a struggle, a weakness, a battle, a fight. Not always, but a lot of times. So today's assignment I want to ask you to think about your power with other people. When have you found people gravitating to you, relying on you in a in a place in a space that gives you some kind of positional authority, some kind of power. And I know we don't typically like that word power. Power is only bad when you abuse it though. When do people give you rely on you and need you in a way that gives you power. See, people can rely on you and need you that positions you as a subordinate. I'm not talking about that, but they rely on you in a way that positions you as a person in power. What is that thing about you that gives you that power? It's your power point. I would encourage you to think about those cognitive functions, but I've Introverted intuition and extroverted thinking doesn't always give me power. Right now it is. And it's opening up my mind about how I should better position myself in the world. Not because I'm power hungry. But to stay out of the deficit. It's fast, a fascinating mind shift that I'm having. There's some, some mind shifting that I'm doing right now. And I encourage you to think about your PowerPoint. Not Not forced. Not even where you try to do it. It just happens naturally. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.